0: Geology, geology, geology. Welcome to mini geology program where we put a connection geology in society at large. And today we have the American Association of Petroleum Geologists, uh, one of the largest association of geologists in the world, founded in 1917. So with us, uh, the president, Mike Party is joining us from Midland in Texas. We are in Houston. And so just on the other
1: side of the state. uh, How do you feel? How is it going, Mike? Well, it's going good, all things considered. The virus is is kind of uh, problematic and and got people down a little bit. But outside of that, healthy and, and doing good.
0: And talking about the virus, how is the geological community, the geological community that you are leading, how is reacting to the coronavirus pandemic?
1: well what we're seeing happening there in the geological community we have a lot of uh, workshops and uh, conventions and conferences uh, as you know that being cancelled we had uh, we had a conference scheduled in the middle east geo uh, uh, 2020 that was what happened in march has been delayed till the fall the aapg ace convention was scheduled for the first of june and we postponed it we're still working on dates to get that squared away uh, the offshore technology conference uh, scheduled for June in uh, Houston has or May. Excuse me, has also been canceled for the year, so we're seeing a lot of cancellations, but the geological community stepping up and we're doing a lot of webinars. I was just on one today. Uh, You know the bad part of the virus is it's also hit at a time when we had an oversupply of oil so it's plunged the oil industry into a uh, uh, pretty stressed time with prices going way down and and we saw some paper barrels trade the other day for negative numbers but but uh, it'll all come back and and at some point we'll get through it all and and we'll be all back out walking around and and get life back to somewhat normalcy are you worried Uh, about the industry about the virus (laughs) about the
0: members that you represent.
1: I am worried about the members I represent. Uh, I'm really worried about a lot of the younger members. Uh, the problem is, 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 as we transition, we have things. I went through the one the 80s downturn. And in that time, we weren't dealing with a global uh, recession. And we're going to see unemployment numbers between 15 to 20%. And we have a lot of young people coming out of universities and colleges that worked real hard to get to the point where they're ready to graduate thinking about moving on to a job and everything like that, it's going to be a tough market. Uh, do you think that, that
0: 15, 20 percent of the general population or yes. specifically of uh, petroleum geologists or geologists at large?
1: No, the uh, overall U.S. population. Uh, what do you
0: what do you think about geologists? Should uh, are they going to be hit, uh, heavier?
1: Uh, they'll probably be hit heavier uh, just because we have two things going on with the downturn in prices and stuff. We're going to have to work through the storage issue. We have a lot of oil in storage. So so my heart really goes out to the young people that you're coming out, you're you're wanting to start your life and you got a lot of plans and, and just ready to get after it in your life. And then you're getting hit with both sides of this to where... You know, the oil industry's down, the economy's down, and we're having to be locked in. So we're being locked in. But that's what AAPG is trying to do is put content out there so people can go. And and in these times we're locked in our houses, we can do virtual classrooms and stuff like that and go out to the web and and keep learning. And so expand our minds and, and keep our minds occupied. And I always say, don't worry about the things you can't change. Worry about the things you can do. So there's nothing we can do about the 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 coronavirus. We got to work through it. We got to do what people are telling us to do to stay safe. But on the other side of that, we while we're spending time in our houses and stuff and in lockdowns. We can be reading books, going online and finding videos about geology and, and looking at geology of a national park, looking at geology of another basin, reading about the Macroverta down in uh, Argentina and development. So we can be expanding our minds and learning and, and, and keeping ourselves occupied and doing something very constructive. Mike, you just
0: mentioned a motto, but I have here another of your mottos. That is, if it is going to be, it's going to be up to me.
1: Yes. Right? Yep. That's what, I, that's what I say, if it's going to be, it's up to me. And uh, and that's one of the things that I think is kind of a, a little saying I've, I've lived with, with most of my life. And, and basically it comes back from growing up. I, I grew up on a pig farm. I mean, I came from an area, uh, my mom and dad uh, were factory workers. And they could barely afford to send me to college. And so uh, you always had to take the initiative in your life. You can't depend on somebody else to do it. It's important to you. And if it's going to be, it's up to me. And you got to take a hold of it and make it happen. Where did you grow up? I grew up in central Missouri. I grew up in a very small farming town. I, I actually graduated high school with 42 kids. Uh, and most of us went to school our whole lives together. And uh, like I said, I grew up on, on a small farm. My dad raised pigs and, and both of them were factory workers. And and uh, I, I graduated from University of Missouri Rolla, now the Missouri Science and Technology. I graduated there in 78 and I got a paying job of about 17,000 a year, my first job. And that was more, almost twice what my parents made together.
0: You mentioned uh, to uh, keep up the reading. And uh, in fact, I was reading uh, the AAPG website and the Explorer, uh, which is the main magazine of the American Association of Petroleum Geologists. I read something interesting, uh, written in uh, the month of March by David Brown, as an article about hydraulic fracturing on the Explorer, and uh, and, and it was mentioned in the uh, Senate and the House bill uh, proposing to ban hydraulic fracturing by 2025. Uh, What do you think about this uh, very uh, delicate uh, topic about banning hydraulic
1: fracturing? Well, and and I don't want to get off into a political debate on it, but one of the things that happens with with fracking, uh, hydraulic fracking, is it's opened up the Shell revolution. And what's going to happen is when people realize what's going to happen with gasoline prices, energy prices and stuff, if you ban hydraulic fracturing. If you look back, we were making about uh, 5 million barrels a day prior to really taking off on fracking. So think of that in the context right now. We make 12 million a day. So we doubled that amount of production. So without that doubling of production, we would be paying probably. Four, four and a half dollars a gallon for gasoline right now. Your electricity bill would be going up. All your petrochemicals and all your other things, your cell phone would cost you more because of the plastics and stuff in them. So the reality is, we use a lot of hydrocarbons and hydraulic fracturing have brought that about where we have an abundant supply. We actually have gone net negative on imports and exports. We actually export more than we import now by a small margin. So with that, that's helped out. And the the realization is that if we ban fracking in the next five years, we are going to see a tremendous amount of inflation. We're going to see a tremendous amount of job loss uh, in the oil industry itself. And then you'll see it elsewhere around the country when when things start to happen. So I think it's impractical that it'll be it'll be hard to get implemented. Uh, and, and really do anything. And I don't know if any politician is going to have the will to really do that outside of a local politician. Mike,
0: maybe. if you will, is a little bit like what we're doing right now with the virus. So you have to balance and decide what is the priority because what you are depicting right now is like a, a, a tremendous uh, negative environment, right? Which is what we're living right now because of the virus. So don't you think that uh, banning the hydrofracking would have an, a positive
1: effect? Well, yes, it would in the United States, but you got to realize right now, China and India are bringing a coal-powered plant online every day. And so the atmosphere is the world atmosphere, not one atmosphere. And yes, we can change the course in a country like the U.S. And we've actually got declining CO2 emissions, uh, probably even more so now that we're shut down. Same way in Europe, we're seeing declining CO2 emissions. We have some things that we can do if people... Everything comes with a consequence. You look at biomass. One of the big things of biomass people talk about as being a good, clean source of energy. Well, we're destroying forests. We're basically going in and you look at where they got big biomass deals. We're going in and we're destroying forests to get the 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 wood to be able to do it. So we're tearing down wood, pelleting, put it into pellets and burn it to make it. One of the things we've got that's really Efficient right now on the plate is natural gas, and we get that by virtue of hydraulic fracking. And natural gas has a very low carbon footprint and can be very useful in making a transition. And I think what we all have to look at is, is when you sit there and you say that one industry or another industry is pro-green or anti-green, you know, as geologists, we're pro-green. When you really sit down and think about it, we go out, we love to be out in nature. We like hiking. We like looking at the outcrops and things like that. And so, you know, we've always been kind of a pro green, but there's transitions you got to do. One of the things Scott Tinker does a presentation where we've got a billion people that don't even have the basic necessities of life that are out there in the world because they have no access to affordable energy. And they live very, very uh Uh, hard lives with cooking on stoves and dying of lung diseases, respiratory diseases and stuff. So uh, there has to be a balance on everything. And, And I think one of the things right now, natural gas powered plants, you know, if we could get China to convert to natural gas versus doing coal, we could drop it a lot. So I think we have to be pragmatic, We had to look at at solutions, we had to transition. It's not gonna happen overnight, but we need to start farming some type of transition. And AEPG is gonna be working in that respect. Uh, A new thing that's been out there for a while that's getting some speed is CCUS, carbon capture utilization and storage. And with that, we're going to go in and capture carbon molecules at the smokestack out of the atmosphere and inject them down in reservoirs deep in the earth to lower CO2 levels. And that's one of the things C- the AAPG is going to actually have a conference on and try to lead the way, because if we can pull co- CO2 out of the atmosphere, that's got to be good for everybody. And so as geologists, we can lead and we can help this transition into a, a lower carbon world. But, you know, some of the things we got to do have got to be practical. Uh,
0: Where is uh, right now that you have the finger on the pulse of uh, industry? Where is uh, the oil and gas industry moving towards uh, in this uh, chaotic moment? Do you see uh, pointing towards uh, specific uh, activities? Uh,
1: No, I mean, right now, I think what you're seeing is everybody is is trying to survive. Uh, You've got a lot of the public companies. You're seeing things I saw today where a couple other major companies have cut budgets significantly. So you're seeing companies go in and cut their drilling budgets, cut their personnel budgets and stuff like that. Uh, The smaller companies that are private equity based or small stock companies are trying to get the cash flow where they can service debt and stuff like that. We're going to see several, several uh, bankruptcies occur with some of the smaller companies. We're going to see consolidation within the oil and gas industry. And I think the, the mantra right now in the industry is, is everybody's just kind of hunkering down, trying to survive.
0: And are we going to reemerge as we were before or something uh, extraordinary is going to happen and going to change the oil and gas industry?
1: Well, I think the extraordinary thing that's going to happen is that there's there's been a lot of money put into the the shell plays in places like Midland and, and the Bakken and places like that. And that money's going to be hard to be able to... Uh, Really get a lot of reward out of that money, a lot of rate of return. So I think you're going to see capital uh, move away from the industry. So that's going to make it harder for operators uh, to uh, have another shell revolution. You won't, in my opinion, as we go forward because the capital won't be there as readily. You'll have people doing some stuff but we're gonna have a loss of capital. I mean, we had a lot of money come in the industry since about 2011, 2012 uh, through private equity and other other vehicles out there. Uh, And with that, gone, it's going to make it harder for companies to drill. And now you're seeing all the private companies, all the big companies, even the, the Exxon Chevrons, Mobil, you know, Exxon Mobil, Chevrons, all the big companies, Totals, uh, and, and Ecuador and E9 and all those, they're having to go in and live within cash flow regimes and credit's going to get harder. So with that, uh, we're going to see less drilling, less activity
0: i see so probably re-emerging with uh, less companies in in absolute uh, numbers where the majors they become bigger
1: yes and we saw that in the 80s in the 1980s when oil prices dropped in about 84 85 dropped dramatically what did we see we saw exxon Mobil merge we saw texaco getty merge we saw a lot of these big companies uh merging into each other and then exxon Mobil's went ahead and bought uh xto and some other others along the way so uh, you know, Arco Permian went and got merged in. Uh, I think they went into Exxon Mobil also, but we saw Chevron uh, do some mergers and we saw a lot of that occurring in the 80s. And I think we'll see more of that as we get going through here uh, in, in the, our time period we're looking at now. They'll, they'll merge some companies
0: together. So there will be less and less space for the smaller companies. Uh, uh, But what about those people that the geologists that they have their entrepreneurship uh, character and they want to do something new? Where do you think they are going to go in since there is not that much space uh, uh, now in the classic oil and gas business?
1: Well, I think what is, and like I said earlier, my, my heart goes out to the younger ki- younger generation coming just out of college and stuff. Uh, it's going to probably be harder for them to work into the space. Some of the people have been in the industry about 10 years. There's things you can do like consulting and, and going into an independent geologist. If you're someplace like Midland, you can go out and start generating a prospect and sell Sell a prospect and make a little bit of money and make a good livelihood. You get lucky and you find a nice little play. Uh, You can make a really good living. But there's been a lot of people in Midland that have made really nice careers out of just being independents and consultants. And when things start coming back, you're going to find a lot of these companies are going to be understaffed and they're going to need staff. And so sometimes they're going to go out and find that staffing through things like consultants and stuff. So they'll go in and hire consultants to come in and handle things like geosteering or some other things, or or well site work, or or help with maps. They'll hire consultants to do it, versus bringing somebody on staff uh, for two or three years and then having to let them go.
0: For how long uh, oil is going to remain the dominant energy source of the planet?
1: Well, that's a good question, and and I've seen analysis by a lot of the major companies, and they a lot of people point out to forty to fifty twenty thousand forty twenty thousand fifty that we're going to see some of that where it's still going to be dominant, and then it it will start tapering down. But if you look, there's you can go out to a lot of the the major uh, oil companies' websites, and under their sustainability tabs and some other places in there, they show projections of what they see as far as the oil and gas future uh, and how it's going to play out
0: so if we say around 15 20 years what are your thoughts on the future of the AAPG uh, in this context of phasing out
1: petroleum as the dominant energy source what- well i think i think that that i'm more worried about just near term things with AAPG than long term things you know you're going to anytime you have less people getting in an industry you're going to have less people that are going to join the professional side of it uh short term what i'm more concerned about uh in the next couple years is we have a lot of things we do like conventions and stuff like that Uh, we're going to see and we're seeing it right now that a lot of the companies are pulling back support Uh, Professional societies, whether it's SPE, AAPG, any of them, we're seeing less support from the companies because their stockholders really don't uh, see that as a benefit. Uh, So those things worry me more because if we lose the support of the companies within the industry, uh, whether it be the engineering side or the geological side, uh, it makes society life, uh, something like AAPG and SPE, it, it, it makes it a lot harder. And when you have big events like AAPG's ACE convention, uh, SPE's OTC convention, if you don't have people willing to come to these conventions and you start being all virtual and stuff like that, it's going to impact the the cash flow into those those organizations, which is going to impact what they can do. So
0: in other words, you see that the oil and gas industry is uh importantly decreasing in size and importance in the in the society right
1: Right, and and we're doing things better. I mean, we uh, we're drilling wells better. We need less geologists to handle wells and stuff like that. So, uh, we it's a typical deal. When I was in college, uranium was the big deal to go into uh, prior to the 70s, and we went out and found more u- uranium than we ever needed. And uh, if you're uranium geologist, you got let go. And we've done the same thing in oil and gas. We go out and we find a tremendous amount of supply. And so companies don't need to hire as many people. And we've had a fundamental change in the oil industry back in the 80s that occurred And one of the things that keeps getting forget about is when we went to the commodities market in the early 80s, like 82, uh, before that, all the major companies had big exploration groups to go out and look all over the world to find oil and gas because they needed the feedstock for their refineries. There was no way to supply their refineries and their petrochemical industries without having their own feedstock. Well, in the early 80s, we bring along the commodities market. Well, now any company that wanted uh, feedstock for the refinery could go to the commodities market and trade on the commodity market to get it. So we saw a big decrease in expiration groups within the 80s in all the major companies. Uh, A lot of them got out of expiration. They could buy reserves on Wall Street cheaper. And that's why we had all the mergers and stuff. So we had a fundamental change there. And we're probably looking at another fundamental change here. Uh, Technology. Technology has done wonders for everything and even in our industry it, we can make maps quicker we can do a lot more analysis uh, machine learning and things like that taking seismic and putting it in and playing out attributes out of that seismic that define everything from from the Poisson ratios to the densities and everything like that uh, is unbelievable and all of that in itself uh, takes less geologists to be able to do it and takes more people that understand big data and and things like that
0: so yes, you, you see that in the in the future the membership of the AAPG is gonna decrease as well as all the other associations and societies related to geology.
1: Yes, and I think it's gonna, and you're gonna see it not only to. Well, I don't, I don't know if I buy that completely because some of the, the bigger societies that are that are not oil related uh, may not fare as bad from that standpoint. But when you're talking about an industry where the geologists coming into the oil and gas industry, and APG and SPE and SEG are more about the oil industry, uh, that those are going to have some challenges ahead of them. But, and you know, the the bottom line too is we're seeing surveys and stuff being done all the time. There are less and less geology students coming out of the universities. We're even seeing a case now where major universities used to offer uh, geoscience degrees and stuff have dropped those programs. Tulsa University of Tulsa has dropped their geoscience program. Why? Because there's not enough demand out there for it. So when you go in and you don't have the demand and they look at dropping these programs and you have less geologists coming out of the universities. Naturally, if your uh, organization depended on geologists, you're going to have less people, less members to go after. Well when I meet the the youngsters they they really
0: like the geological part that is associated with the environment uh, more than with the petroleum system and uh, I was reading the 2019 annual report of the AAPg and I found out that AAPg has no an official position statement on the climate change. Uh, how do you explain that?
1: Uh, we do uh, we just put it out so when uh, Three days ago.
0: Ah, okay. So we, is that the same statement that was worked out by the by the ad hoc committee that no, proposed it? No, you change no, it.
1: No, what we is, did is uh, that Is it
0: easy to find in the website?
1: It. If you look, uh, I don't know where it's at in the website yet. But if you look into this month's Explore, the there's an article that the statement is in there, and and what we did. And here's the interesting part on the statement. We we had a lot of members clamoring for a statement, and and we went out and looked, and we had some of the corporate advisory board looking at a statement. And we went and took time and went and looked at all the statements by all the other groups that are similar to us. And we saw a wide variance. Now, when you start getting in the trade organizations where they have to cater to other companies doing business with them, uh, some of those got a little bit more detailed and a little bit more uh um, in depth into what they were talking about but what we found is that from a standpoint of doing it yes we believe in a lot of things going on but you know there's uh there's science behind some of it and and a lot of it i mean it's not some of it all of it and it's just how you have to look at the science but yes we posted that out there it's just gone out and in this month's explorer and will be posted up on the website so that's what our members wanted in uh, the annual report, um, I read this, um,
0: uh, I'm going to quote it so that you can help me understand what, which part has been changed. It says the AAPG recognizes the abundant and compelling evidence that human activities are a key factor in current climate change as reference in the collective authoritative statements of the Global National Academies of Science in the comprehensive analysis on climate science as presented by the IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel of Climate Change.
1: Well, now, where did you, found that in our report? Uh,
0: yes, this is the, it comes out from the ad hoc committee.
1: Well, right, 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 right. right. Well, the problem is with that ad hoc committee, that ad hoc committee was set up To go in and look at publishing articles on climate change and look at that, they did a statement which they can do as a member, and we looked and vetted it. Uh, There's a lot of science behind it, and we have a lot of members. Uh, I was amazed the other day. I went and looked at. I was reading an article about the Blue Hole in the Caymans, and the um, oh, I forgot the guy's name, the Virgin uh, owner, that uh, airlines owner. He went down there with a little crew, and they went down there like 130 feet down. They found stalactites, and they were going, oh, my God, there's stalactites down here. That only means one thing, that sea level has been lower at one point. Yes, it was. Sea level was 400 meters meters lower 17,000 years, 17 to 20,000 years ago, and we have massive sea level rise from about 20,000 years ago to about 8,000 years ago. It was massive, and you saw it coming up. Man was not around at that time. So that was all a natural phenomenon. Now, I don't disagree that man has a part in in CO2. When you look at it, uh, yes, man has a part in a lot of different ways. Agriculture, concrete is one of the biggest things that puts CO2 in the atmosphere when we build a building, build concrete. We've got a big uh, influx from that. Man's very footprint is a problem because we put out CO2 just even when we breathe. And when we deforest, that's a problem. Agriculture is a problem. So, yeah, to say that man doesn't have a footprint would be wrong. But how big is that footprint and what it amounts to? Because we know we've had events in the past where the ice sheets have retreated tremendously, have been retreating for the 11, last 17,000 years. So I talked to some people in New York one time, and they were totally amazed that there was almost a kilometer of ice over New York uh, about 20,000 years ago. You can see the striations from the glaciation in Central Park on the nices in the park. They didn't even know that. And so for 17,000 years, we've seen glaciers retreating, and that was all natural occurring stuff. But it would be hard-pressed to say that man doesn't have a footprint when you look at all the different activities that man himself does. Not only the burning of hydrocarbons, but deforestation, agriculture, buildings, and just his very makeup uh, does it.
0: Yes, we we had uh, guests re- related to the Great Blue Hole, uh, you were mentioning, Sir Richard Branson. Yes, and uh, we had uh, uh, the scientific uh, representatives of the scientific committee uh, talking with mini geology uh, as well. Uh, in in specific, we have Andre uh, Andre Droxler from the Rice University. Uh, can you uh, find and read us the statement uh, that you have on uh, climate change uh, in the AAPG website?
1: Well, I will direct you to you can go to the AAPG website to the Explorer and read it there because I don't have a copy right in front of me that I can read. But uh, you can go there okay. and, and, and read it yourself and uh, be able to do that. People can do that or listening to the podcast can do it uh, uh, when we're done with this.
0: Yes um and this is in the last uh
1: the may explorer. May, may explorer and we actually ran if you look back in the april explorer we ran an article in there we ran a survey of our members to find out what their thoughts were and we did that and that's in the april explorer
0: okay so we should find uh may may, may it's, explorer. It's yeah. just
1: coming out right now and it, it should be up on the website and will be um, uh, a little preface to it and then the uh, uh, a preamble to it and then the, the statement itself. But it, it should be coming up. Uh, OK. Well, don't worry, Mike, because we are not live.
0: So uh, yeah. I'm I'm looking for it. I'm here in explorer.aapg.org and uh, feature articles, uh, geoscience programs. Where is the register now? Are
1: you in the May or the April?
0: uh i open uh, explorer.aapg.org so i think it's the last one
1: right they're very if it's uh, been posted up they they're posting it up as we speak uh you know and i don't know if they've got it fully posted up you'd have to just look at the date whether it's april or may so yeah is in may or in april what may it's may may
0: yeah so so do you see the the page uh explorer aapg.org
1: the laptop, I'm at. I don't know if I can.
0: Um... Uh, I'll just uh, open another window. This is gonna stay on. Doesn't matter. Um, yeah. or...
1: But we've got a statement coming out, and, and it can be read there. Uh, you know, we have yeah. we have a lot of members that have a lot of of uh, different viewpoints on this, and as as the officers uh, and yes of the organization. Uh, we're trying to take into, to account what they've. Do got. you see this one?
0: Do you see my screen? Yeah. Um, okay. So this is the explorer. I, this is important because I have, uh, we have a lot of, uh, uh, of members that are really interested in this. So I think that it would be important. That is something so fresh and out there because I couldn't find it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's after. So- I think this may be last month's right here. So So, where do I go now? Well, they just hadn't got it up yet. So just kind of watch it. It'll be up here in the next couple of days.
0: Oh, so it's not
1: up yet. Yeah. Well, I thought it might be, but but what you're showing me there looks like to be the April version. Okay. All right.
0: So uh, I'm going to stop. Okay. We're back. All right. So uh, just to be clear, the APG now has an official position statement on climate change, and it was uh, discussed a few days ago. It is not online yet, and uh, we're going to wait for it. Uh, can you tell us in few words what is the gist of the um, of the statement?
1: You know, I would rather not try to paraphrase it. I just soon everybody yes. read it, and that way they could they could uh, make their own own decisions and and like i said i just don't have a copy of it here in front of me uh, that wasn't something i was prepared to to talk a very okay. nice detail about and so i didn't print a copy of it out we did that and got everything done and approved I, I will be truthful with you we we were working on this uh the last dc under president denise cox worked on it uh they came up with one that they approved uh, that's where the ad hoc committee was We took it up this year, worked through a survey of the membership, uh, got the statement pretty well worked out, uh, worked up with what we saw from the membership survey. Uh, But since February, when we were talking about it at a February meeting uh, and getting everything ready to be posted, uh, our whole world has been turned upside down uh, from the coronavirus and just trying to uh, make sure that that we don't get caught uh, This letting money get away from not paying attention to the the events we have out there. There's been a lot of events canceled, and that has really uh, taken the the EC's time. And I will tell you right now, with a lot of the geological organizations, uh, that what's happening right now uh, is is really going to be taxing on them.
0: Uh, Mike, do you uh, you remember if um, the statement supports the Paris Paris Agreement?
1: I I do not. I do not. Let's let people read it and, and answer it. I'm not going to go in and start talking about it uh, at this point. Members need to read it, and people need to read it and see what's there. Okay, okay. Get the good thing about this, the U.S. US uh, is one of the few places that actually met its Paris Accord, and uh, they're not even part of the agreement. So
0: you, you are implying that APG is not part of the agreement?
1: No, 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 I didn't say that. Well, we're not. I mean, we... We, no, it's have, not
0: part. I mean, if you support, so support the agreement to reduce the increase of global temperature.
1: Yeah. Uh, you have to read it. We've got things in there. We've got language in there, and, and I'll let you all read it.
0: OK, so it's not so clear as to say, yes, AAPG agrees with Paris agreement. It's more complicated than that.
1: Uh, I'm going to let you read it, and I'm not going to say that. I, when you read it, you'll understand it and what we're talking about.
0: OK. And then you were mentioning before that the APG is engaged in the energy transition. And so we were mentioning about the new generation that would like APG to embrace this energy transition as well as the reduction in the uh, in, in the CO2. Uh, so aren't you worried of not serving these members?
1: The members that think we should transition?
0: yeah and that they are really worried about the climate change topic and that they would like aapg to uh, fully embrace embrace the Paris
1: agreement well that that's fine i mean you got to realize that aapg is a big organization we got uh, roughly i think thirty thousand members uh total when you count the students and stuff like that in there uh we have a wide sector and you got to remember one of the uh, the purposes of aapg you know, is to promote the sciences as it pertains to petroleum, natural gas, and other subsurface fluids. So when we look at that, we can talk about the Paris Accord and stuff like that. But the bottom line is that a lot of our people work in the oil and gas industry, and we have membership there that we have to. Uh, we can't go in and take one side to the other. We can't go in and take all of our members that said, no, we don't believe in climate change at all. We we think that there's other problems out there that are more important, and we can't go and take the other side and say we've got to be totally restrictive. We, as a leadership, had to make a balanced approach to what's going on that benefits all of our members, not just the far right or the far left, but the overall overall membership we have. And so, and that's what we've tried to do with this approach. And and uh, you know. And I will tell you, I mean, it's one of those things that we we are embracing the transition. Now, you can put things out there like you're going to abide by this code or that code or this agreement or that agreement, but AAPG in its capacity that we're going in at this point and we're looking at transitions and we're doing CCUS and other things like that to embrace those things and help with the transition and trying to do that. So, from that standpoint, We're doing what we can, but keep in mind, we're a petroleum organization, and the the vast majority of our memberships make their livelihood in the petroleum organization, and so we have to kind of embrace that, uh, and I shouldn't say embrace it, but we have to go in and realize that fact as we make policies that affect our membership.
0: And um, I'm going to turn on... My video, I think that you don't see me anymore, right?
1: Right. I, yeah, you just got a picture there.
0: Uh, uh, sorry. Um, it says that my video has been disabled because I start screen sharing. Uh, so uh, let's see if I can stop sharing. Oh, I was still sharing. OK, now let's see. Can you see me now? Nope.
1: No. Nope. Yeah, no, I can.
0: Uh, all right. So um, so are there members in the AAPG that they deny the climate change?
1: Well, I can't point and say there's members that deny it uh, uh, out there, but I mean, uh, we know there's a lot of things that, that are happening out there and, and you know, we had people we've got people all over the country that have different opinions on this thing and and from our standpoint as a leadership we have to respect the opinions of our membership look to the science as best we can and come up with a uh, policy that that fits what we see out there and and there's a lot of difference and i'll tell you what we deal with a lot of models in in our business and uh, we do a lot of reserve models and stuff like that and and models like they say are, are as good as what happ- what goes into them so there's a lot of issues out there and and like i said i don't think you're going to find anybody within aapg that disagrees with the, the overall context that man has a, has a footprint it's just what is that footprint and to what effect we definitely know that there's been a big natural deal towards uh, global war- uh, climate change. And we know it's happened throughout history, the geological history. At one time, the earth was an ice ball. It was totally froze over. Back in the 70s, everybody said we were going into an ice age. And that was a big deal there. If you remember, Time and everybody ran articles that all the science said we are going into an ice age. So there's a lot of things out there we don't fully understand. And we go in as, as a group. We rely on peer-reviewed science, and that's what we were trying to do with the ad hoc committee was look at peer-reviewed science and see what's out there. I don't care what the media says. I don't care what the talking heads head say. I want to see the peer-reviewed science, and there's a lot of it out there. And but the
0: peer-reviewed science says that it's uh, crystal clear, the relationship, right? What, what, is, uh, what is the debate? So what what is the...
1: Well, yeah. let me ask you this, let me ask you this, just just plain straightforward. 20,000 years ago, the glaciers started retreating, and they've been retreating ever since. Man didn't cause that. So when you go in and look at these models, people go in and look at the last 1,000 years. Well, things have been happening for 20,000 years to a million years. And so the models aren't taking that in because we can't model that. So if you look at, at any sea level curve out there, there was a dramatic rise in sea level uh, for about the first 10 to 15,000 years since we came out of glaciation. You look at CO2 curves, there's a lot of things we don't understand about those things. And, and I constantly try to read on it and I don't have the answers. And But I know a lot of the stuff that's put out there that's, that's said to be peer reviewed is not peer reviewed. It, it's articles being put out by people that aren't in the geological realm. But there's a lot of it that is. And I, I go out as, as a person that wants to know the answers. I go out and read as much information as I can. I don't have the answer, and and I'm not for sure. A lot of people do. Uh, as an officer of the association, we're trying to, to melt those things together. Climate change is is, is a big, big topic. And, and we're seeing the same thing occur with the coronavirus. We're seeing models that were run where they were talking about a million deaths, two million deaths. And I don't think anybody believes that's going to happen. But we run models with the best data we have, and we make conclusions, uh, and then we draw draw references from that. But, you know... So, Mike, when you... But I uh,
0: I read the the annual report. What the ad hoc committee
1: proposed.
0: That and, ad hoc uh, committee was
1: not charged with coming up with a statement. They were that, charged in bringing peer reviewed data forward, and they did not do what they were charged. What, what with.
0: do you What do you disagree with uh, those quotes? What What is that you disagree
1: with? Well, I'm not going to get into breaking it down. I mean, I'm not wanting to get into a, a climate debate because. My opinions don't matter what I think on the climate. Well, I
0: mean, no, I mean the association. Because this is important because the members, and especially the young generation, they're really interested in which kind of association they are uh, going to belong. So this is a very important topic that uh, uh, the members or the non-members, they would like to know. So the quote is, like, pretty simple and uh, short. Yeah. So uh, I would like to know if there is something that you disagree with. It says the AAPG recognizes the abundant and compelling evidence that human activities are a key factor in current climate change, as reference in the collective authoritative statements of the Global National Academics of Science and the comprehensive analysis on climate science as presented by
1: the IPCC. On that deal there, that was not a sanctioned deal. I'm an officer of the association. We came up with a statement. People can read it online and see what's there. The problem with that statement, if you want to look at problems, that was like seven, eight members out of 14,000 voting members. So okay. I can get you seven or eight members that would say exactly the opposite of that. And, and you know, whether they're right or wrong, and we can debate whether they're right or wrong. That's why we came up with a statement. We put it out. Our members will debate that statement. They will make comments. That statement may get uh, uh, worked over down the road more, but it'll be put in front of the members. It doesn't matter what Mike Party says at this point. It's what our members think, and we're putting it out to our members to do it. We we don't go in and you know with with we do not let people in a democracy let 10 or 20 people in democracy dictate the democracy uh, or dictate the organization we got to go in and 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 work through it and that's what we're trying to do
0: but don't you think that the leadership uh, should show the way we shouldn't vote on uh, important uh, important issues like this one democratically it's not that 51 percent of the voting uh, members they they have the final say it should be the leadership that Shows what are the implications of uh, statements that are so important.
1: Yeah, you might want to look up what the definition of a dictator is in the dictionary because that's where you're headed with that. When you have leadership that goes against the will of the people that they're representing, and that's a dictatorship. And we run, we we look at things differently from, and I personally do. I mean, I look at things differently. That that, like I say, we're going to put it out. Our members will look at it, and we'll make some adjustments to it. It it's one of those things. you know, nothing. Everything happens in steps. And so, you know, that's where we're at. The statements out there. Everybody can read it. Everybody that's a member of APG or other people can make comments on it. And the membership going forward is going to going to take that into account. Mike, so, how? Yes, go ahead. I was going to say, let's move on to another topic, because uh, we, can yes. talk about, we can talk about global warming forever, and I don't have the answers. And, and yeah. uh, No, yeah. I, 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 my point was uh, trying to be clear about
0: what is the position of the association, not really talking about the climate change, but just uh, deciding a clear statement so that the members or the non-members, they can understand which kind of association
1: yep. uh, is and AIPG. That will be posted out there. And we, we, we definitely welcome comments and feedback and stuff on it because we're, we're looking to our membership. We look to our membership for guidance all the time and go from there.
0: How would you inspire the students and the young professionals to join the AAPG uh, because the, the APG is founded on the volunteering and uh, you need a uh, uh, new uh, energy that comes from the youngsters how do you inspire them how do you uh, would propose them to join uh, the
1: association well i mean it's like any other organization you join it uh, the camaraderie uh, you know you go to you do things you sit there and you talk to peers that uh, about experiences we have is when we went to college when we go to outcrops uh you know you're not going to go in if you go in and you end up in a uh, counting organization uh sitting there talking about outcrops and stuff it's not going to be as much fun as when you get around geologists i mean you know geologists is is a really unique breed of people uh you know we we have we have a, a lot of love for the outdoors and the outcrop and looking at rocks and and stuff like that and so from that standpoint we end up going in and uh uh I think that's the, the thing you have to bring to the table for the younger people because uh, geology and whether you go with AAPG or you join some other organization, uh, just looking to get involved with with a group of your your peers uh, uh, in in the geological community. Uh, you know, if you're going to be in the, in the geology community, it, it's fun. Uh, I've had basically a 40-year career in, in geology and. Each day it's like putting a puzzle together. I look at a new set of data and, uh, and and make inferences on it. And in the oil and gas side of the industry, you get to prove those theories up that you do uh, pretty readily. When you drill a well, you find out if you're right or wrong, or if you core, you find out if you're right or wrong. It's a challenging curriculum, a, a cr- challenging career. And uh, you know, if you love the outdoors and you love geology, uh, what better place to come to work than within a, a geological organization?
0: How many, um junior or, or young people are among the members of the AAPG, which percentage is roughly?
1: We we have a lot. We have probably uh, uh, three or four hundred um, YPs, but we've got, you know, eight, nine thousand students.
0: Uh, out of how many members exactly as high
1: APG? We've got about 30,000 total members, Twenty five um, thirty thousand. 30,000. Yeah so uh, probably about uh probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 35 percent are, are students is is there an
0: official number or about the memberships the number of members
1: uh it's usually in we print a year-end number uh at uh, in the year-end report that's in the uh uh the bulletin uh each i think it comes out in like the uh uh, May or June version of the bulletin but but those are available within APG and it's got all the membership statistics just like every other organization has out there
0: Oh, okay so you have the demographics of yes. the available and uh, what about
1: the uh, you say nationalities you have 60 percent uh, US and uh, uh, about 40-35-40 uh, percent international.
0: international and what about gender
1: uh, I don't have those numbers in front of me. Um, You know, one of the things is that uh, we've seen a lot more females uh, come into the geosciences versus through the STEM programs and stuff like that. So we're seeing an overall increase, but I don't have a breakdown. I'm looking here. I don't have a breakdown on on our, our gender breakdown, but that's probably in that report. And, and talking
0: about uh, the the gender, it seems that the women have been um, uh, recognized as AAPG awardees are very few. Um, I think that there is a presentation by the professor Christopher Jackson of Imperial College that he gave at AAPG, by the way, where he said that the percentage is 3%. 3% of uh, uh, female AAPG awardees. In the last uh, 72 years and also he said that five percent of women they were honored with the distinguished lecture program which is the oldest and uh, most prestigious program of aapg uh do you have a what is your idea about this uh, diversity or, or lack of diversity at least in the
1: awards well we i'd have to go back and look at what the numbers he's talking about and you know when you you have to look at these numbers, and um, you know how to kind of explain them is is that we have to have people that are qualified for the awards. And I'm not saying that there's not females out there that are not qualified for the awards. And I, I'll show you the other side of the coin is if you look, we've had we've had several, uh, probably more than most organizations, female presidents. Uh, we have a situation this year where both candidates for president are female. Uh, you know, and we've got Denise Cox two years ago was female. Uh, so we've had we've had a pretty good run here in the last 10 years of people that that uh, females probably have been 40% of our presidents over the last 10 years. I'd have to look that number up. I'm talking off the top of my head, but but we've had we've had several female presidents. Uh, I, I look at the AAPG, I haven't noticed in my my career, and, and maybe this is, is blinders on my part, but I hadn't seen anybody within the AAP judge people on gender. Uh, you know, women, this is an industry that is, is, is tough on women just because they, in the old days, they had to go out in the field, and, and I can't imagine uh, a female geologist going out in the field in places like Argentina, South America, uh, the, the Middle East, and places like that, and being out there miles and miles away from everything. West Texas, driving out to a rig in the middle of the night. Uh, there's a lot of vulnerabilities there, and there's a lot of stories, and if you realize uh, Robbie Greaves, who is a past president, put a deal out called Anomaly talking about, I think it was the 100 most influential women in the AAPG. And you go through and look at those, those women there. Uh, getting into the specifics on, on the awards. You know, you'd have to go in and look at those things, and I don't have those numbers in front of me, and I'd have to go back and, and research that. But we have tried uh, a lot lately in the last 10 years to make sure that we were looking at, at diversification. We have a lot of very strong females in the organization, and, you know, we're constantly looking towards them uh, for leadership and guidance and stuff like that. So
0: do you mean that before in the past uh, uh, there was a bias against uh,
1: women? No, there weren't that many women in the industry. I mean, if you go back and go back even like when I started in the 70s, uh, there wasn't a lot of women that went into geology. Uh, The STEM program that they've done is unbelievable for what it's done to empower women to get into the sciences and stuff like that. The WTGS, the West Texas Geological Foundation, we've actually created an award, uh, and that award actually rewards it. we call it WINGS, Women in, in Geoscience, and we give $5,000 scholarships to a, a female recipient that's in the university studying geology. And, you know, we're trying to do everything, and you see organizations all across the, the spectrum trying to go in and help empower uh, the women and the ladies in, in our profession to get degrees and stuff. But when you go back and look, I mean, there was when you go back and look before STEM programs, there was a very a lack of people getting involved in in, in the programs like that, and so from that standpoint, like I said, you had to kind of look at it from from that context is is how it came forward and, and looking at specific numbers, I I can't do that. I don't look at the demographics, I look at people, and I don't look at whether they're they're. Men so when or- you
0: look when you look at people, do you see which percentage of women around you when you act as a president of AAPG?
1: Yes. And, and and I look, I mean, no, I mean,
0: what percentage of people are women? Like when you act as an AAPG president is like 10%, 50%. Uh, what is the percentage of women?
1: Well, when I go to the meetings here in Midland, the, the, uh, different society meetings, uh, I probably see uh, it. Just looking at it and thinking about it, probably 15 to 30% are women at, at the That's meeting. So, uh, and I mean, I've hired I've hired uh, uh, females in my office. I actually have uh, uh, basically my VP is a male, and then I got two geologists here, one's female and one's male. And uh, so, you know, I, I look at people and look at their abilities when I go and try to form a committee. I don't go in and say you know well, I want to see whether it's a male or female. I go out and see the, who who the people are that, that get the job done and and have the work. And we have a lot of highly qualified ladies in this industry that are that are stepping up. And, and like now, you can look at them leading. Look at the look at the top oil and gas companies out there. Uh, the a lot of the ladies leading these organizations are Aapg members. A lot of those ladies have not been engaged in the organization as much because they're heavily engaged in. BP, you know, and other companies like that. So so you have to kind of look at that. I mean, they, they're not involved with AAPG because their jobs uh, dictate that they're not going to be able to spend time doing a lot of things there. But these are very strong and resourceful and, and very knowledgeable, and that's why they're leading some of the top uh, countries uh, companies in, in the world.
0: Do you just, think that uh, associations like AAPg they should uh, create uh, specific awards recognizing minorities and
1: diversity we do uh, just like I told you like the wings we give out scholarships to to, to young ladies
0: so it's something that you support that uh, should yes. should, it, yes. should uh, the association do more or you, you think that this is the right balance
1: Well I think what we do we go out and and we look to the candidates, and we we typically don't have very many, like our Distinguished Service Award. It's not dedicated to one or two people, so we can actually give that to several people. You talk about diversity, our slate this year, we've got uh, two females running for president, uh, a female running for vice president of regions, we have a female running for uh, treasurer. So we have got six officer candidates out there, and out of the six, four of them are female. Yeah, that's but pretty, but the a, but
0: today the the, 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 the the president uh, uh, is 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 a male. The next president is also a man, Richard Fritz. And the executive committee is represented by eight people, only one woman,
1: only oh, one on this, woman on this yes. EC. And it wasn't because they weren't run as candidates. We had candidates in there for some of that. But then, like next year, if you look at it, there's a good chance that we could end up having half of the executive committee be female. So, all right so so we have some stuff like that uh, all these things are things that you have to work through and 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 like i said i don't i don't see a a gender bias in apg and when i look to do committees i look for the strongest people uh that are out there that have the talents and the ability to do it uh i can't speak for everybody in in the organization and everybody around the world everybody doing everything but, you know, we're in a situation that, that I think that we're, we're trying within AAPG to empower uh, everybody. I mean, just not along the gender lines.
0: Mike, uh, thanks for being so open and talking about these uh, hot topics about the uh, AAPG. The members and also non-members are very interested in these topics and I really appreciate that you are talking with us uh, about this. Uh, I um, uh, I feel that you still uh, want to say something to the viewers or listeners uh, and so you can uh, take your time if you want to uh, face the camera and the, the the mic is open so you can uh, communicate shout out uh, uh, pitch uh, to members of the APG or the society at large
1: well i just encourage everybody to uh you know look at going in and you know we're going to be in some trying times here uh and it doesn't matter what you do uh from the standpoint of careers i just gave a talk on careers We're going to see some pretty high unemployment numbers and it's going to be a challenge whether you're a geologist, whether you're an engineer, whether you're working in in a plant in Michigan. It's going to be challenging times. And I would just encourage everybody, if you're a member or not, you know, everybody stay safe. Everybody stay, you know, uh, to a point where you, you come to your happy place in life because it's going to be some rough times. We probably had, none of us have seen it in our lifetime uh, the last time we had a pandemic of this nature was back 100 years ago, and I would imagine nobody listening to this podcast was around then. So we just got to bear through it. We got to come out the other side, do what you have to to stay healthy. And, uh, and I hope if you're considering being a member of AAPG that you'll consider us and, uh, and become a member. We have a lot to offer, and it's an exciting field. And uh, from that standpoint, I appreciate the time and, and go from there thank you uh, mike party
0: the president uh, of the american association of petroleum geologists one of the oldest association of geologists founded in 1917 uh, thank you so much this was another uh, episode of uh, mini geology you can find it at minigeology.com you can write minigeology at gmail.com writing the questions for the next guest as you have done uh, uh, for this guest. Uh, Thank you the viewers and the listeners and uh, this is Daniel Minizini, your inquisitive geologist. Thank you thank you again at my party. Thank you.